3: If you're tired of spending money on trail cameras you use as tools only to find out they're built like freaking toys, or you've struggled with unreliable, not so dependable cameras or experienced customer service that flat out disappointed you, I've been there. Those problems literally birthed Exodus eight years ago when they shipped their first camera. Exodus had a clear desire to not only build elite products that enabled you to set it and forget it all season long, but also to back them like no other company was willing to with an unmatched level of customer service and support. See for yourself why Exodus has over 15,000 satisfied customers. They've quickly become known for their five-year no BS warranty, quality cameras, and best in-class customer service. You heard that right. Exodus believes in their products so much, every single camera is backed by a five-year warranty that includes theft and accidental damage coverage. Each camera is checked for quality control standards before it leaves the warehouse they wouldn't use it, you don't get it. Exodus is so confident. We we'll love your new Exodus camera. They're offering you, the listener of this show, 15% off your next order today. Just use code BTE. If you don't love it, get your money refunded in the first 30 days and just send her back. Exodus really has two excellent cell cam options for uh, all budgets. And they start at just $179, plus you're 15% off there, you use the code BTE. They have competitive data plans that allows you to purchase a plan and use the data as you see fit. They want you to be in control. There's no annual commitment and no limit on how many cameras you can run on one plan. You can share cameras with friends, no charge, which makes the X's lineup a great option for hunting clubs and leases. There are no additional fees for HD photo requests. That's pretty nice. No additional fees for video uploads and all cameras share data on a single data plan for easy management. See for yourself why so many have made the switch to Exodus and experienced the Exodus difference. Use code BTE to get 15% off your next order today. Now let's talk about Osseo gear. It's a great option for whitetail hunters. They develop a premium line of bow hunting gear that will rival any other clothing on the market in quality. Plus, you got a lifetime warranty on anything you buy from ASIO, which is pretty nice. They have a super unique camo pattern and great technology in their garments to keep you comfortable in the stand. So visit ASIOgear.com get you some premium hunting clothing. Got to talk to you about stealth outdoors, makers of stealth strips. Stealth strips really are a, a product that any hunter, whether you're a weekend warrior or a guy that hunts almost every day, really needs to take advantage of. The Stuff absolutely deadens your, your gear uh, to make it essentially uh, noise-free. If you haven't checked out stealth strips yet, stop buying all the other crappy alternatives like the hockey tape and any other stuff you're trying to use to silence your gear. Get the good stuff. Get stealth Strips, visit StealthOutdoors.com, pick you up some Stealth Strips. All my partners are linked in the description below. Go check them out.
0: All right, what's going on, guys? Welcome to today's show. We got a a whole room down here in the basement at the Airbnb. I'm uh, real excited. We got Before the Echo, we got Josh Talker. Yep, a little collaboration. Absolutely. I'm excited for this, and thank you, man. Uh, Oh, yeah. Looking forward Looking forward to this one, man. We're gonna have a little, uh, little BS session down in the basement. Get into some good stuff. I got a couple questions. Josh, you got a couple questions, and why don't we go around and introduce everybody? Yep. I'm Josh from Before the Echo. Joe Miles, Osseo Gear.
4: Randal Eric, no balls, no bucks.
3: Ryan Pledger, <laughs> Infinite Hunt
0: Outdoors. And Justin Simon with Running Gun Outdoors. Yep. That's right. everybody. Doing we're
3: good. We're we're at the. Uh, What's the Great American Sports?
0: Harrisburg, show? baby. Oh, great yeah. American
3: yeah. Outdoor Show. The Gayos. The yeah. Great
0: American Outdoor Show. Yep. It's this fir- a...
3: first time I've been here, and it's quite – Wow, here we go. This is going to be a Rendell Eric podcast. <laughs> it is without oh, a doubt.
1: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. Oh, man. If you're here for comedy,
4: <laughs> uh, if, if you're here for 18. tactics, oh, uh, I don't know. Yeah.
3: <laughs> 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 this is going to be a good one. Hang Oh, in. man. Oh. The is much bigger than
0: what I had, uh, had in my mind whenever I pulled up to the parking lot. Oh, yeah.
3: Monday That's been m- crazy.
0: First time. I've been coming here since I was a kid. Uh, I grew up in Maryland, so I've been coming to the show since I was little, and uh, it's one of my favorites, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, living in Kentucky now, I always enjoy coming back. I catch up with a lot of my buddies that, you know, I don't normally get to see when I'm in town. So uh, I really enjoy it, and I've been doing this a couple years, uh, working the show circuit here. So it's always cool seeing the familiar faces. You know, I've made some friends here at this place, and uh, it's a blast. And uh, it's been fun hanging with you all
1: today. We've uh, I feel like we've made a, a heck of a team. Yeah, I was going to interrupt you there for a second and just thank y'all. I mean, the amount of people that we've had come to the booth—it can get hectic at times—and y'all have absolutely handled it like rock stars. Especially Rendell. Yeah, especially no. Rendell's patient with everybody. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, but y- y'all really have. And I thank y'all so much for all the help. And uh, we, we it is a great team and have enjoyed hanging with y'all. And it, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for right, Rendell? Right, yeah, it's been a, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> if, if we
0: had a POV camera so in the building, <laughs> there's been some moments. <laughs> I'd yes. like to have a
3: lav mic with a recorder. Probably, <laughs> Probably yeah. not. Just for 10 <laughs> he,
1: hours of him and a trace Here, well, I'd like to know what he was mumbling over there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he, there's a bunch of mumbling going yeah, on that about that. And I always say, Rendell, what
4: was that? And he goes, oh, I'm talking to myself. Yeah. <laughs> they
1: got really You don't want out. to hear it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: It's like the guy some sling blade. <laughs> yeah. Biscu- yeah, a- Biscuits <laughs> and mustard.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: good stuff. Oh, um,
3: yeah. Hey, what topic were we talking about this morning when we said, hey, we ought to talk about that on the show last we night? We
1: were talking about how – and this gets thrown around a lot of different podcasts. I've heard it multiple times, but it is, somehow we, we got on the topic of young kids – not wanting to shoot a particular deer for how it's going to be perceived on Facebook or, or Instagram or on social media and how you know all of us here get messages I, I do a lot in South Carolina of young kids 16 17 years old that'll send me a trail camera picture of a really nice buck and be like hey you think he's old enough to shoot you, you, you know what do you think should i shoot him and my response is always buddy if you like that deer and he gets you going, shoot him. You, you you don't need to impress anybody but yourself. And, you know, we've just talked about how social media has has hurt a lot of that. Yeah, and it, it's a shame because that's not what, what we should be preaching and doing. But, I mean, it's constantly – I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was Jay Gregory that kind of – started this and i don't know jay but i've seen him on uh tiktok and instagram and he does a good job with his social media but but talking about how man big bucks are, are kind of irrelevant now yeah
3: i heard i saw the same clip i think it was a hundred maybe a hundred podcast. i can't remember exactly it, but. it could have been yeah, but, but was he, was, on, yeah. he
1: said if you want to see a 190 or 180 just flip through yeah Flip through Instagram for a little bit. A
3: 200 incher, that means nothing anymore. It's
1: crazy how that's happened. And and those kids are trying to live up to it. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's impossible. I was talking to a guy today. You know, our banner in the Osseo booth has got giant after giant after giant after giant.
3: Yeah. I sent Rendell, by the way, I sent Rendell a couple like 100 inchers I've shot with the Osseo gear on. So you can put you one. You didn't in make them. the banner. I know, <laughs> but if you want to really promote shooting two-year-olds yeah, yeah, as a young yeah, man, that's not, that's not real world,
1: yeah, right? right? I mean, people like to see big deer, but that's that's not real world. Yeah, I mean, so so that was what we were talking about this morning. We we're drinking coffee after hitting the gym, and and that was the topic that we got on.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough. And I, I was picking your brain on the way, I think I was on the way to the show about, I was like, I asked you, like, how old were you when you started really chasing big bucks? And he was like, not that long ago, like 2011. No, no 30. Like you, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And I don't, I think when people, people realize they look at, you know, Adam Hayes and Don Higgins and you and all these other guys that shoot all these big bucks, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, it wasn't always like that. no. Not for a long time. No, I I mean, I remember the first doe I
1: saw in Illinois, and I about died at the size of her body. Mm -hmm. You know, I would hunt those swamps in South Carolina, and, you know, uh, a 16-inch wide 8-point that would probably score 90 or 100 inches, my heart was about to beat out of my chest. Yeah. You know, that's how my dad and I hunted, and and, and that was so much fun, and those memories we have together— I mean, you know, it, it'll make you teary-eyed almost. You know, the, yeah. the, the opportunities you had with mm-hmm. with those guys that meant so much to you. Uh, you, you, the the social media aspect and, and the hate that comes out if a guy shoots a two year old. I mean, come on, we got to get yeah. past that. We yep. need
0: to get yep. back to the roots, man. Like, you know, what it what actually makes you happy and being a being a woodsman and being thankful for being out there. Really, I mean, I think we all lose sight of it. Yep, and. Um, I know I still get my heart pumping the second I know I'm going to kill something. You know, yeah, I mean, like,
1: look, I, I like to kill big deer. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. I do. But it doesn't mean that a 16-year-old boy that's just getting started into bow hunting, that, that he needs to be, his aspirations to be a Boone and Crockett.
0: No, absolutely. A,
1: especially in different parts of the country where there are not that many.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, our, I feel like my season's a prime example. Like, I let a I had a mature deer that was probably five years old in front of me. And, I saw him
1: and I was like, "You're sh- certainly you're going to whack this buck.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, man, uh, I think it all comes down. And I think you can relate to how I felt. And it's just all of us need to figure out where we're at in our journey of hunting, right? Like I've killed a lot of deer that were that size. And I'm kind of at that point where I want to try to elevate, you know, what I'm killing. And I think it was just timing. Yeah, I think if, if I had to... If you put me in that scenario next year, I'm killing him. Sure. But this year, I was just a little bit too hungry, and I, I seen a good deer that uh, that I really wanted to kill. And I went to draw back on him. I mean, it was just a perfect scenario. That I mean, he came out of a, a cedar thicket, gave me a 20-yard shot, perfect. And I went to draw my bow back, and I just didn't. And it's like, to me, I beat that deer. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter if I killed him or not. And it's like, I thought about a younger guy. Right, I know there's other younger hunters in that area and I feel like I would be happier with one of them killing that deer and being floored than me killing him and thinking about, oh well, maybe I should have waited for that, you know, that one fifty or that I saw that you know, the day prior. So that's
1: a very good point. It is what
0: it is. I mean, Randall, how do you feel about it? I mean, you know
4: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Kinda like Joe. I didn't start really chasing big bucks until like thirty when I moved to Iowa. Um, I passed a lot of good deer this year that I probably would have shot now since I got EHD and it wiped me out. But I don't know. Even I was texting you, and I even texted Joe Fisher's of this buck bedded forty yards away from me. Yeah. And what
1: did I say? Send it if you want send to, it, brother. Yeah. If you like him, send it. But
4: that made me really think about what the heck am I doing? Like, why am I worried about this right now? Like, I don't know. It's kind of eye opening. Like oh, I'm going to get a bunch of hate because this buck's not a booner, right. you know? Right, it's exactly what and we're And it's only about. a 140, but it would have made an awesome story. Mm-hmm. Then I was kind of bummed because, oh, I just lost this cool story that I could have shot this buck that was bedded by me for two hours. And then I went to Indiana, passed some more good deer, and I was like, oh, that would have made a cool story. I was on that deer half a day. Yeah, First time ever being there, and I was just like, but at the same time, I was like, oh, I, you know, I felt like I beat the deer. It was a chest Right. It's always not about killing everything, but.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, if your goal, if you're hunting in South Carolina, just make it, you know, not Iowa, right? Yeah. If you're hunting in South Carolina and your goal is a 125 and you've got some deer under your belt, you're not a 16-year-old that shot one doe with his bow and worried about shooting an eight-point, right? Mm-hmm. right? You're a guy that's got some deer under his right. belt and you've got goals, right? I want a 125, well, you ain't gonna get there if you shoot a one fifteen. Yeah, right. So if you do have that goal and you've got some stuff under your belt, there's nothing wrong with going after your goal.
4: Right? No. Yeah. Yeah, I stayed steady into it, and then and like I didn't anticipate EHD. I was on some giant bucks the year before. That was my goal. I had it set up, and then I passed that deer. Then EHD hit, and I kind of wipe me out but if i was a young guy just starting i would just worry about killing deer to get experience like i'm with you just lay them down man does bucks whatever just get on it so you get experience and you start gaining confidence getting woodsmanship built up because you can watch as many podcasts and hunting shows as you want but being in the woods and doing it is what you're going to learn from the most
0: yeah absolutely and i mean for you joe like I know you've been doing this, what, since you were 30? So what are we talking, like, you know, 15 years or more? Well, I've been
1: bow hunting for over 33. Okay. Yeah, I started bow hunting when I was 16. When
0: you got to the point where you had killed a lot of good deer, Mm -hmm. are you kind of, you know, can you relate to what me and Randall were talking about, where you kind of get in this groove where you're like, do I want to kill a 130, uh, or or what am I trying to do, right? Like, you want to kill a Boone and Crockett, but you're you're midway through your season and a solid one fifty comes out, you know, it's just a real it's a real mental head game. Like so, what do you want to do? You yeah, know?
1: yeah, for me, I, I really enjoy the chase of a particular deer. He might only be a one fifty. Right. He might be a one seventy, he might be a one eighty. Um at home he might be a one fifteen or a one twenty five. And that that's what I like is is finding a deer and hunting a deer. Hmm. And that may not be a a 190, right? right? So so that, to me, is what I really enjoy, Mm -hmm. is finding a deer, hunting a deer. This year, you know, I I really never found a Boone and Crockett to hunt. I found some good 160-type deer and shot a few of them. And at home, I I had a velvet buck early that that I shot that's probably 115, 120. Mm -hmm. And then I had a 10-point in South Carolina that drove me batty. And he's probably 135 inch,er which is big for, but, but I mean, he kept me up at night and we're talking about 135 inch deer, but, but it was the game with that buck. You know, that, that's really what gets me going now. And it's not so much a size thing. Like I'm not chasing 200. Right. Um, I'm not chasing Boone and Crockett. I'm trying to find a good deer every year or multiple good deer every year that I want to, hook my horns with and and see if I can get him. Yeah. But so, that's me. Yeah. I, I mean Don Higgins, he he wants a two hundred inch deer or a one ninety typical. That's what he's after every year. And and he may find a one seventy, but he's not interested in that. Mm-hmm. He he is one hundred percent laser focused on the one percent of one percent of deer. That's what he likes mm-hmm. to do. Adam Hayes will not shoot a buck under one seventy. Period end of the day. That's what he likes to do. We talked about this this morning, Josh. The, the football field is 100 yards long and basically 50 yards wide, 11 people on offense, 11 people on defense, and it's an equal playing field. Mm-hmm. Every single hunter, you, me, Rendell, Ryan, Justin, we all have different playing fields. Right. We all have different amounts of time that we can hunt, different areas we can hunt, yep. um, different family lifestyles, You know, or young kids. No kids, 20 year old kid, young kids, you know, we all got different things going on. So it's not, yeah. there's no way to have this. I'm the best hunter or, right. you know, the way I do it is the best way to do it. Or the way he does it is the best way to do it. You know, it, it's all in what you want to do and what makes you happy. That That's my soapbox yeah. opinion anyway.
0: Keeps coming to me. I got to say it, man. Let the good times roll. Well, you know what I'm saying? I think yeah. that's that's really what it boils down to.
3: Well, I mean, comparison is the thief of happiness. And man, it is it's hard especially for kids nowadays like it's hard not to try to compare yourself to the yeah. the you know, 10,000 people that you can see on the internet now. Like whenever I was growing up, I I didn't have much to compare myself to, you know, deer hunting wise. Um and now I just I feel bad. Yeah. I feel bad for them sometimes, but the the pressure that we got starting our
2: our um channel um just probably more pressure on ourselves just you know we gotta we gotta produce we gotta produce got to produce and finally I told my brother I was like listen we're just out here having fun let's just have fun and I got three guys that never deer hunted until this last year and he you know a couple of them you know should I shoot it should I, shoot? I said listen shoot shoot it just shoot yeah. it it's the dove it's the spike it's as long as it's legal shoot it Just yeah. shoot it and uh and I so but I always tell them this one thing is just say every year Uh, challenge yourself to go to that next level. That next level may be an age. That next level may be points. The next level may be a certain way of killing it, whether on the ground or up in a tree. But just always set goals and just challenge yourself each year. And if you do that, it doesn't matter what size it is. Just put yourself to a challenge and say, I want to do this and set those goals. And so that's what we do is just we have fun with it and just challenge yourself, your own personal goals, wherever that is,
0: it's up to you. Go from there.
1: Amen. Absolutely
0: yep yeah i mean i think do do you feel like helping multiple or hunting multiple states really helps you with that because then Hmm. you're not pigeonholing yourself into you know the back 40 at home and you know you can go and have fun and you don't I do yeah yeah. you
1: you hunt multiple states multiple opportunities but but i have i have a lot of time where i am in my my, what i do with osseo gear and where my family life is uh, my wife, if I stay home longer than a week or two, at any time during the year, she's like, don't you have somewhere to go? Right. <laughs> you know? So, so I, I've got a really cool wife that, that, you know, she's like, bud, you want to go hunt for two weeks and... Alabama, knock yourself out, you know, that, that's absolutely fine. But now she, the other side of that coin is if there's something she wants me to do, mm-hmm. she doesn't have to say it twice. Right. You know, she, she says, hey, yep. you need to be home for X. And, and buddy, I will, I will jump and be there. Yes. But that's but a good, healthy relationship with my wife. But, again, fam, every family life is different. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. young kids, man, that's the priority. When Jack was little – I mean, I I told you all this, you, you know. When I got, I had worked in Africa for a long time, and um, Jack was two years old, and I had been in Zambia and Tanzania for ninety days, and I flew home, and she was, and I got home at like eleven o'clock at night, and she was at the airport holding Jack, and she met me at the airport and said, "You got a decision to make. You're either going to be a professional hunter in Africa, or you're going to have a great family." And, I mean, I made that decision overnight. Yeah, absolutely. And so yep. when you got those young kids, that needs to be your priority, right? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it absolutely yes. does. Right.
0: So I need to lower my standards what you're saying.
1: <laughs> no, I don't think you need to lower
0: your If you're not standards. happy, yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? If you're not happy. No, no. You know. I, and I feel like it was a successful season. Yeah. I don't feel yeah. like I didn't have a successful season at all. It was yeah. just – I just – part of me – I guess I feel guilty a little bit because it's like – I don't know. So many people were like, "Oh man, I'd be happy with that," but I don't know. Like you know, like Ryan had mentioned, it's like your goals. You know, like I don't know. I really have. I think it's an internal struggle with you know the goal of
1: the struggle is this. The struggle that a lot of us, the trap that we fall into, is that I've got my goal set, and my goal is a one hundred and fifty. Yeah. Right. And we get through the season, and we haven't killed that one hundred and fifty. And we're looking on social media, and Mm. Joe's killed three bucks. Josh has killed two bucks. Rendell's killed a buck. I ain't killed anything yet. So what do I do? Do I shoot the 140? Because we care what people think. And we care what's going to happen on social media. But you look at a Higgins or a Hayes or a whoever, Bobby Worthington or Andre, they don't give a crud what anybody thinks about them. No. They could care less. And they're going to kill what they want, when they want, and how they want to do it. And if it takes three seasons – takes three seasons
0: yeah
3: and and the reality is none of those people on social media care either joe miles don't care what you shoot i don't yeah it's like yeah yeah
4: and like, yeah there's people that it, think i killed those booners this year last year yeah, <laughs> like they, right. they i was yeah. like you're my friend and you don't even know what I yeah killed they don't deer. yeah like, it doesn't dan always care. talks
3: about that he's like dude i don't remember what you shot last year or this oh, year like i can't right. And i don't care and i think it, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as deer yes, hunters absolutely and i've done that since i was a kid i can remember being like i killed bucks my first two years of hunting and i can remember thinking like i want to shoot a buck every year and putting a lot of pressure on myself to kill a buck and this was before i even had a freaking cell phone you know mm-hmm. um i don't know maybe it's human nature but
0: i think so it's, i think it's a competitive nature in all of us but if you really could step it back you know before cell phones and social media hell none of us knew what our neighbor was killing you know we might have only known what our neighbor was killing but we didn't know beyond it was that a
1: family celebration right yeah
0: and it's like you know hey I, my goal back then was kill mature deer and that was it and if something got me excited i'm sending it so i think uh i think it's just part of growing and maturing as a hunter really i think you know we kind
4: of got to go through some
0: rough seasons to learn right
4: yeah you learn more from failure than anything else mm-hmm. amen
0: Joe, I wanted to ask you about entrepreneurship in the outdoor industry. How, you know, I have a lot of of friends, you know, and other younger guys trying to, you know, they love the outdoors. How how do you, uh, what is your advice to some of these younger guys out there, like, looking to try and make it in the industry? I think, you know, when it gets down to, like, pressure and seeing success, it's like, it's almost like smoke in the mirrors, you know, yep. a little bit. And uh, I just wanted your opinion on that.
1: I, I, don't, I don't know that it necessarily is the hunting space. It's really any business, right? Is if, if you're able to solve a problem, I think that, that's the key, is that whatever your concept is, try and not have blinders on. And if it's in the hunting space, does the product that you're thinking about launching really solve a problem? right so so with osseo the problem i saw or the gap i saw a gap in the industry the gap being that there was really high-end technical clothing out there it was high speed stuff and i'd used a bunch of it but it was really lacking a good whitetail hunter pattern so that was the the problem or the gap that we saw and that's what we created um you know there's lots of different examples of, of solving a problem, right? And and so that's what I would encourage a person and and really think about the product. You know, a guy'll come up with something, the acorn crusher, I always use that as a joke. But does that really solve a problem or right. is it is it gimmicky? Um, you know, we we're all I think everybody here is one Wolf Custom Gear or have used some of the DeQuisto stuff or or some of the Beast stuff. Um, you know, those type mobile stands changed the, the, the industry,
3: mm-hmm. right? I
1: mean, there that, that, that was a problem. Those stands were heavy. Uh, the, the climbing stands were, were dangerous. Mm-hmm. And so these guys pioneered that mm-hmm. and brought in a stand that was, they solved a problem, much lighter, much safer, easier to hook to the tree, and they solved that problem. You, you know, you, we talk about saddles. Rendell's a big saddle guy. And, you know, you start getting into crooked trees where where those lock-ons wouldn't fit or the time to set them up, another problem, you mm-hmm. know, that was solved. So that would be a, a very long-winded, I guess, dialogue there of what I would do as a, as a young entrepreneur, whether they want to get into the outdoor space or any space for that matter, is first and foremost, if I'm going to launch a problem, a, a product, does it really solve the problem? And if the answer to that is yes, then you put everything you have into that and do not you, – You talking about hate from shooting a 120 – Buddy, when you launch a product, the hate that is coming your way, that's stupid, that's dumb, it'll never work. Take those comments and put them in your motivational folder Mm -hmm. and read those things every morning when you get up at 4.30 in the morning and you're up and you're worried about what's going on and read those comments and that will fire you up to stay after it. it. It takes a tremendous amount of work and dedication and you, you've got to stay disciplined, and you, you can't quit. Yep. You, you just got to stay after it, stay after it, None. stay after it.
0: I mean, we've all been hitting the gym, you know, the past couple of days. And Whoa, uh,
1: whoa, whoa.
3: <laughs> Not all of us.
0: Hey. <laughs> Reynolds, turning behind his shoulder right now. <laughs> now, I've heard this from Jim. All right, well, me and Joe hit a couple of days. Today was fun. I had a blast working out with all you guys. Yeah. It, it was a great time. But – something that joe keeps coming back to maybe maybe I, it just stuck out to me is comparing i guess uh entrepreneurship and hunting and stuff to like special forces and um you know you mentioned what separates the elite from the elite of the elite yeah right mm-hmm. well, they've all got discipline they've all got the work ethic yeah but Who's doing the extra stuff, right? Who's fine tweaking and who's just that much more consistent? Yeah. And is that really what it, what it boils yeah, down so, to in anything?
1: So, yeah, I've, I've, I'm actually going to see them tomorrow evening, um, some, some guys that were high-speed dudes in the military. And, you know, they talk about it all the time, what separates the, the, the good military guys from the elite. And it's two things. It's attention to detail and discipline. Those are the two things. Now, work ethic falls in that. But, you know, we were talking about this this morning about they're they're all in great shape. Mm -hmm. They all can do 500 push-ups and 400 pull-ups and run the mile in four minutes. I mean, I'm, you know, not being real here. But what separates those elite groups from, you know, the others is the discipline and the attention to detail.
0: Mm Mm-hmm yeah i mean i think it's it's bulletproof and you know like to just touch on what you had said about you know finding a gap and finding a solution i think that's what everybody says about you know pretty much everything entrepreneurial it's kind of like a broad spectrum of find a solution to a problem yep and uh and keep at it and just i mean i guarantee it.
1: you that with with the bow mines and the hunting mines that are sitting in here right now we could i mean you and i went and looked at the site today. Yeah. We liked everything about that site, but there was one problem with it, Yeah, and we, we went away from it. I guarantee you right now we could pull in three or four sites, really high-end sites, and start going through them and saying, okay, what do we not like about this? What do we like about it? What do we like about it? And, and make a list, and we would come up with a new site. Yeah. And, and we could do that with every product. Yeah. You know, and and that's a thing that you can do, but you've got to have the experience. You know, if you, you don't know, like, like if, if, if I went in and wanted to create a McDonald's, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, I I don't know that. We've we've been in this industry long enough. We've got the experience Mm -hmm. to be able to look at stuff. That's really going to help the end user.
3: Yeah. And like, I, I agree with everything you said about entrepreneurship and stuff, but you're downplaying yourself. Like you're not talking about what it really takes. Like these ideas we're coming up with and the Osseo gear idea. That's easy. Like, ideas are cheap. It's quitting your job, taking the risk, you know, having two kids, quitting your job, and starting some stupid podcast. Like, that's the hard part people don't want to do. And if you don't want to do that, then keep going to your 9 to 5 and not deer hunting. The
1: the, the work is endless. I mean, you know, a guy asked me today, he said, hey, do you think you could come do a seminar here? And I said, buddy, from two weeks ago, I have one Sunday off until March 18th. And we're talking four thirty in the morning to I mean, it's nine thirty at night, and we're doing a podcast right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it the work is is unbelievable, but I really feel like the juice is worth the squeeze because I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah. the industry. I love. I mean, look what we're doing right now. Absolutely. I mean, this is awesome. I get chills. You know. Yeah. Hanging yeah. Out, we, we talk deer hunting basically every waking minute. Yeah. That's what we love. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It is.
0: I think, uh, you know, kind of to rebound this into more into hunting, I think a lot of people, Randall, you included, uh, you know, we have a lot of people come up and give you hate because like, oh, you killed a a Boone and Crockett. Oh, well, you're in Iowa. It's it's irrelevant because you're in Iowa. Well, you know, I mean, we both have moved from where we grew up at. I mean, if, you know, what what did it take? You, You had to
4: sacrifice to get to where you're at. Right. Yeah, I went to Iowa with nothing. Lived in a tent for six months. Yeah. A lot of people and then don't a know that. Fifth wheel about you. camper that was falling apart for six months and worked every crappy job under the sun. Drink your own piss. Yeah, <laughs> drinking my own piss and <laughs> didn't have running water. Was crapping in Walmart sacks and you know eating hot dogs and mac TMI, and cheese every day. TMI. <laughs> but what well, he's piggybacking, like piggybacking off what Joe said sacrifice like going after it like you got to have the balls to do it yep. you just got to go for mm-hmm. it yep. and you got to do anything it'll take to get there within reason i mean you don't want to be shady because that's bad look in the long run but uh i would focus more on skills besides hunting because just because you kill deer doesn't mean you're a businessman that's yeah, for damn sure amen. yeah you better work on your business skills communication even leadership not being negative <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh I, go I got a long list of crap I need to work. On.
0: <laughs> it boils down to work on yourself. If you really yeah. want to do anything in life, you want to better yourself. You you gotta better yourself. Yeah, you you self-improvement. honest about. with yourself
1: in the mirror. Right. You, you, you got to know what your shortcomings are. We all have them. Yep. And try to yeah. work on those.
0: How'd you get to where you're at by setting goals, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And achieving them. Yep. You know, one bite at a time. How are you gonna eat that that giant? you know giant burger or whatever it is an elephant one bite at a time exactly
4: i think not having an ego helps too because yes everybody's a person and the long you know no one's really that special at the end of the day yeah
0: and i mean like like your special ops guys and stuff like that what do they all say burn the ships
1: burn the ships that's right man that's right
0: yeah there is no return you could just see it through and there is no option
1: let's talk about uh what what everybody's doing now right. um other than trade shows to, to kind of get ready for the season yeah i think that's a good topic yeah i mean yeah Go kick it off
3: scouting i uh i have a bunch of uh i had a bunch of regular sd card cameras i ran in the uh, uh public land around where i live you know within an hour of me and i'm kind of collecting them trying to organize uh Cam- camera pictures like I, I'm horrible about my camera picture organization nobody else has that problem but yeah. I'm yeah I suck at I'm, that I'm kind oh of that. man, man I'm, I'm just horrible I with got it.
4: thousands of photos yeah, everywhere that,
3: that's something else I'm trying to build folders and and what not a couple guys I mentioned that on a podcast a while back and like some, uh, some guys that are into like programming and stuff like sent me mm. programs that they built themselves to organize stuff and it, you can filter stuff out to you know by the I don't know moon phase and everything else they put in there but oh wow
1: um,
4: that's super technical man yeah. I don't know if I'm not uh, I don't yeah. even go back and look at most I of just the try to try to keep it simple with it. the
0: property and then do it by date and mm-hmm. then I only save like the pictures that are important to me yeah like the bucks or like yeah. a young buck that yeah. Might, yeah. might interest I'd me. love to
3: talk to Mark Jury about that because that guy like he, I've heard him talk about his trail camera like uh just strategy and how he mm. organizes it and it's super detailed i need to i, I you could probably he's probably talked about it on the podcast i could probably find
4: it but mine are by property wind direction so i'll drop the bucks in the whatever wind i'll make folders for when they show up and then i got hot hot dough dates if i notice a dough looks like she's coming to heat on the camera i drop it in the hot dough folder mm, that's a good so idea and every, l- yeah. keep track of rut windows and different deer herds. yeah wow
3: yeah very smart bow and arrow too starting to tinker with that that's what i'm doing mm-hmm.
4: right yeah, I'm getting ready for this trad experience. Really? Trad bow, I really. <laughs> yeah, I'm, wait, I wait, I'm waiting for. Yelled at anymore. I'm waiting for Joe to tell me what to do. Yeah, <laughs> I <laughs> <laughs> get secondhand information. Yeah, hand. Yeah, yeah, that's
3: right.
0: What's everybody set up? Uh, broadhead and arrow.
1: Me,
0: we'll just go around. Yeah, so I shot uh, a a
3: prime Revix last year, the 32 inch bow shot 65 pounds i've had some elbow issues they're it's they're pretty well resolved i ordered a 70 pound bow this year but um and then i shoot a ham ski um i shot the prime arrows last year too it killed all my deer with a uh dead meat yeah i love those things Great yeah dead. not to be like i feel like i'm pumping up g5 outdoors right now and but they That's make great, great yeah the, the meats
1: have have taken over um they're the number one selling broadcast. Yeah, yeah yeah
3: um yeah they make all kinds of i mean that, that company just produces quality they stuff. they are a great company Yep. Yeah. and then um side i was shooting in uh a b3 slider for a while had nothing wrong with it i have a prototype so it had some bugs that aren't weren't worked out the, the the production stuff's fine but anyways i switched to sword five pin sight i don't know if you remember that i do remember sword yeah um
1: real good tolerances yes yes, yeah super
3: quality if you want just a fixed pin sight good really good sight pretty affordable too like 100 100 to 120 bucks but um i i tried a back bar for a little bit and i just ended up taking it back off i just i shot pretty good with it on and maybe slightly better um but i I end up going back to just a bee stinger stabilizer with um up front i think it's an eight inch one i don't know how much weight i have in it i mean I, I i moved them around but i don't i don't i took some off and put some on but i don't know actually what i ended up with tight spot quiver
0: i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're hear us in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment
2: For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of
3: America and a member FDIC.
0: You know oh. your error weight?
3: Oh, here we go. Yeah, that's it. No, an uh, yeah, it's like it's a... 1,500. Uh, no it's like I think it was like
4: 450
3: Mm -hmm. yep and then I shot well now we don't have to get into the tradbo stuff don't worry about that go ahead
1: Uh, I have been shooting the V3X Uh, I didn't do the phase 4 and I am interested in shooting the lift but the V3X Epsilon Hamsky Rest shoot the Black gold dual tracks, got a green uh, 019 as my top pin, and then a point, or the 010 for my bottom pin, I get 30 and 40, and I do shoot a back bar, I shoot the Matthews, I think it's called Flatline Back Bar Stabilizer. The
3: real cheap ones?
1: Yeah, the real cheap ones. <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. Well, I had bought a new bow, so, so i right, some... had that one for like Yeah, years. yeah, yeah. And... What what I do with the stabilizers is is I will draw the bow back with my eyes closed, yeah. And when I open them, if the bubble's not level, I'll I'll tweak, start playing with weights and all that till I get them. They they make machines that you can put them on and it completely levels the bow, but then it takes the human element out of it. And guess what? There's a human shot yeah. in that bow, yeah, yeah. so I prefer to do it that way. Um, I'm sure target archers would argue with me and say my form's wrong or something. It should be on the balance thing, but I like to do it my way. Uh, Arrow-wise, I shoot the RIP TKOs by victory, and I'm shooting 74 pounds, so I'm shooting 300 spine arrows. Total arrow weight, 470 grains. I shoot the Rage Tripan broadheads. Heat veins is what I've been using, but I've looked into those Q2s. I think those are pretty good veins as well and then I shoot nocturnals and I I, I actually had some issues I I don't know maybe some of your listeners would would have some other ideas about uh, lighted knocks Hmm. But I, I would love to try some more out. I don't know if I just got a bad batch of the Nocturnals, but I had a terrible time with them coming on when I'd put them on the string. Hmm. And it, it could be some of them I've shot through animals, and so it, it could be. I, I'm not saying anything's wrong with the Nocturnals. I just had an issue, and it could have been that batch. Let's see, quiver. Oh, y'all will laugh at my quiver. I shoot a, a thirty-nine dollar G five. Quiver, it's called the yeah. headlock quiver.
3: Yeah, the little circle on that. I
1: yeah, freaking love that thing. Mm-hmm. It's got a little screw in piece that is like the male end that you screw into the tree. It's got a cam, you cam it off, it pops right off that little circle thing, and onto the tree it goes. Super simple design. Oh my god! And it, I mean, it it's I've had that quiver for years and years and years and love I'm we're back on the G5 train, but mm-hmm. that's a great quiver. Did I hit everything? If i missing part of a bug no, I, I
3: think did you did. You do an arrow yeah. Arrowweight weight yeah. four seventy. Um, talk about your your pin gaps. You're yeah. talking about you sight your bow in at twenty six yards.
1: Yep. So so what I I th- if you this is a speed thing. Yeah. So if you're you're two ninety to three o five in that range, you can sight your bow in at. Everybody's different, but depending on your draw length. But at the end of the day, the speed. I sight my bow in at 26 yards and then my top pin is at 26 yards and then at 30 yards I'm about an inch low and at 5 yards I'm about an inch high. Mm -hmm. That way when I get in my tree most all of my archery shots are inside 30 yards so I've got one pin and I'll zero, I mean I'll range a circle around me that's 30 yards and then I know if that deer, hey if he's inside that tree I don't have to worry about anything but that top pin Mm -hmm. and it simplifies everything.
3: Yeah. We did – me and you both forgot releases.
1: Yeah, I shoot a uh, Carter first choice thumb release.
3: Yeah, yeah. I have that True Fire Hardcore, and I wanted to do something different. I've had the thing for like 10 years now. I just can't get away from it.
1: I'll stick with it, brother. If it yeah. ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. That's
3: right. Yeah. And I, I shoot like in the in the off season. I'll shoot a hinge sometimes and whatnot. do not like thumb button releases. I punch the crap out of them things. But
4: anyway –
1: Yep, that's my setup.
4: So I got into this hodgepodge of <laughs> trying to switch out of my old bow I've used for like 13 years and getting a brand new souped up, yeah, you know, super expensive bow. And man, that was just a train wreck for me, I think. So I'm exploring other options this yeah. year. I'm down to like two bows I'd like to try out for this season. But uh, this past year I shot the Matthews Atlas long draw bow and i had custom strings on it um spot hog fast XL with the three pin which i like the vertical stack i learned that i really like the vertical pins mm-hmm. um the spot Hog weighs like pound i don't really like that too much yeah um but it's bomb proof so mobile hunting like i do i'm tearing through god knows what out in the woods so i've had other buddies have issues with different sights, you know coming loose or getting knocked so Wanted to try Spot Hog. Love Hamski Rest. I got those on both of my bows. Hard to get away from that. um I just, man, I just didn't shoot the Matthews well. It just didn't really fit me. So, there's you, a lot. You, you struggle just because of your draw length. Find yeah. a good bow for you. Well, I just found out. I mean, after shooting the, the draw length that's properly set up for me, I just, man, I just think I shoot a short draw bow way better. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. so used to it for like my whole life since I taught myself how to shoot like thousands of shots. I'm just used to a little bit shorter draw and dropping my face into the Mm -hmm. bow and my older bow. I don't know. Just shoots really good. So it's just a feel thing. Maybe it was just a hang up on me, but there are some things about the Matthews and they're great bows. You know, I'm not knocking them. It was just some things I didn't really like about it. Um,
3: Well, I mean, maybe you can comment on this, Joe, but the longer you draw, the more things can go wrong without a doubt.
1: I mean, especially in a hunting situation where you don't have perfect form.
3: Yeah. yeah. You, know, you
1: got a long draw and you're shooting a three D tournament or on a golf course. Yeah. I mean you have yeah. a long draw. But you have to start torquing stuff and shooting around limbs and it's under limbs. Not as accurate. I mean Yeah, you're not as accurate. Yeah, absolutely one hundred percent. Yeah, and
4: the bow's a little bit I mean, it's pretty big bow, like to be toting through stuff and mm-hmm. my older bow's still quite a bit lighter and smaller, so I felt like that mm-hmm. just more important for me to fit in this places that i'm hunting and when i'm crawling through stuff i like that little bit lighter smaller bow and when you're toting it a couple miles yeah but my old bow is like a, a struthers it's like a custom run by a guy that used to design bows in the industry mm-hmm. for other companies
3: they had those at the little pro shop it used to be in my town
4: yeah and that's a shooting man mm-hmm. that thing just shoots lights out for mm-hmm. me anyways but on that bow i got a trophy ridge uh, fixed pin it's five pin sight it's a React Pro. It, guesses your pin gaps for you which it's not super accurate but i'm just deer hunting like i don't really care Mm -hmm. and i got the hamski on that i got a trophy ridge quivers the hex light or whatever Mm -hmm. lights up the ground sometimes Mm -hmm. i use it or not stabilizers i like light bow so i don't really use a stabilizer much i just don't like them because they just get in my way when i'm in cedar trees or moving the bow around especially saddle hunting i've learned since the trees in front of you or next to you a long stabilizer like I had on that Matthews. It just clanks on everything. Kind of drove me crazy. But then the arrows, I use, uh I call them Zinger arrows. They got a name for it. It's Canyana, Contana, something. Yeah. I always mess it up. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but run that and I run the, man, like 13 years. Pretty much every deer I've shot since I moved to Iowa has been with the G5 dead meat or the Mega meat. Yeah even when they were called the t3s and they keep upgrading them i just man if it's not broke don't fix it like they're amazing heads and they zip right through those 300 pound bucks and man it really knocks them down Mm -hmm. too they die quick so they got
3: a new head coming out it's gonna be sweet buddy i'm so excited about that
4: and i shoot full shaft arrows i don't do the whole foc crap because full shafts. it's really hard yeah you got a weak spine if you start
3: putting stuff up there
4: so i'm running like a 250 spine hmm. about 500 i try to get the lightest arrow i can because i like hunting public land i can't cut shooting lanes if i'm looking through a hole i want to be able to shoot through that hole and not have to worry about okay where's it going to rainbow to and i can't um just the sp- speed i don't have to guess the yardage is good like i can be off because since my draw is so long, I can be off like five yards, and I'm still going to smoke right through the deer. Yeah. Somewhere in the vitals, and not drop underneath or over the top of it. So I really like the speed aspect of the lighter arrow setup. Even though I'm shooting 500 grains, but that's kind of light for full shaft. Um, yeah. Shooting nocturnals had the same issue Joe had. Hmm. I got them from a couple different stores. Every time I click them on, boop. They turn on. They turn on. We drove. Drove me crazy because then i gotta either take the arrow off screw the broadhead off and you know shut it then i bought one of those tools and i had to keep it in my you shouldn't uh, have to do that yeah Yeah. the rangefinder pocket on the azio hoodie or jacket i kept it in there and i'd pop it out and turn I mean, i was like oh man if this thing goes off when a deer comes in man i just was worried about getting pegged even sometimes just like practice drawing, it would pop that lighted knock on, and I was like, what the heck's going I on? They used to never do that. Yeah. I hate it in the dark. Like you get yeah. set up in the morning and knock on. Super like, bright. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I started just using white regular knocks. It was like, all right, the lighted knocks were out. It just got frustrating for me. Um, yeah, So that's pretty much my setup. I just like simple, whatever works. I I used a, the nose button. Last couple of years, but I talked to Joe about, you know, kisser buttons versus nose buttons. You didn't use a peep for a while. Yeah, I, did. I went to yeah. no peep route because my buddy from Tethered, Jared. What do you he, think about that, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> he told me it was going to be a train route. <laughs> I told him. <laughs> well, I think I only went with the nose button, like Jared from Tethered shoots, no yeah. peep, nose button. I think I needed a second anchor point and my. Yeah. And my form's not the greatest because I self I taught myself how to shoot, but it's repeatable. And I didn't. I'm a procrastinator, so I didn't really give myself a lot of time to learn how to Season shoot. With no in three pain. days, only yeah. have <laughs> a string
1: on my bow yet. Yeah,
4: dude, it was bad, man. I had like two bows all torn apart everywhere. I sh- I had to just try uh Montana Black Gold Mountain Light. I tried that too. Man, I was just switching all kinds of stuff, man. Like and then i was like oh season's almost here yeah plus i hunted september i wasn't really used to that so yeah i've always felt like oh i got another month well no nope. Oh, september's here you guys keep talking so time management i kind of like got messed up on that a little bit but that's pretty much
1: <laughs> run for your life is yeah, yeah.
4: that the taco salad <laughs> 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 it was so delicious. yeah so this year I'd like to get a new bow to upgrade my old one. So I'm looking at I'm looking at two different bows right now. I really like the specs of the Prime R V X thirty four. It has the same almost the same exact specs as my old Struthers bow. And then I shot the Hoy Alpha X thirty three and that, that bow really impressed me a lot too. So I'm kinda in between those two bows right now. How
0: about you, Ryan? What do you what's your setup?
4: Um so this is my second
2: year I put a little plug in this uh second year bow hunting and so this is all new to me I'm learning a lot like every year last year just kind of like figure out how to shoot and get consistent and go from there um but I got my bow off Craigslist Hmm. 500 bucks Matthew Z3 and ready to hunt and started shooting and uh it was great and so Um, that's that's my bow I use it's got the trophy ridge um, single pin um, sight I've got the QAD dropway rest um, on it Uh, shoots great for learning first bow Um, and uh, my my arrow setup I have the um, true fire release and then my arrow setup is what I updated this last year I got some uh, ripped TKOs Um, and I'm shooting the uh, Exodus Broadhead, Mm -hmm, and I had the same problem with the lighted knots. With nocturnals. This Mm, year.
4: Interesting. That's unbelievable.
2: This year. Last year, no issues. Yes. I changed my arrow setup, Yes, I had to get a smaller, and I had the issue this
1: year.
0: Three guys.
1: Three guys. That's crazy.
0: Oh, you too. too? Are you serious? I was trying not to interrupt you all. Man.
1: Oh, my. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, and and honestly, I I thought that it was always part of the blood because, like, I, I try to kill deer and reuse my equipment. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think once you zip one through a, a deer the blood gets on the mm. inside of that little plunger and I think that it actually gets a little sticky even if you don't see the blood in there. It gets sticky, but I've had the Mine same were thing. brand new right out yeah, of the yeah, pack, yeah, man. I've had it happen brand okay. new and well and see my thinking was like, "Oh, well maybe it was just like that one that, mm. you know, yeah. I shot cuz you practice with them, right?
4: Yeah, I yeah. bought them. I bought them from different stores yeah. at different months of the season. So, so. so what's
0: the cure to just like <laughs> save your number one arrow and uh, yeah, just, just not shoot it? I well, mean, well, I'm gonna
1: start playing with some other stuff. Right? Yeah. right? There's one called Halo. There's a guy named Tim Gillingham, big shooter. I'm sure a lot of guys listen to this note have heard of him, and I think it's called Halo or something like that. That he. That he really recommends. And I well, got a buddy in Texas shooting them, and, and so I'm trying to get some feedback on that. But
0: I'll definitely look into that. Uh, I was talking to Chad from Exodus. You know, they build all these arrows. And um, it was interesting. He was like, I think fire knock's the best. But,
1: man. You got to have a PhD from NASA. To, I got a pack of those and tried to put them on. Oh really, Cameron? Oh good. Deere oh man, with Exodus, he was laughing at me. I was like, dude, <laughs> well, what the heck? I got to put batteries and glue and not like, just that.
0: No. I mean, the price the price of them. It's like sixty to seventy dollars for three. Yeah,
4: that's high. Uh, yeah, it's what I wrong. did was I went through all the nocturnals and I found the one that wouldn't do it, and that was my kill arrow, yeah. and I used it every single time. Nice.
1: Yeah, nice. I mean, I'm, I'm in a blind in Mexico, and this thing won't stop, and I have to pull my pocket knife, out and I got my pocket yeah. knife in the dark, that close to my string, and I'm going, this is a terrible idea. Yes. Why
0: wouldn't you just take it off? I
1: did. Okay. I'm I did, I did, because <laughs> I was work. Okay, so yeah, I take it off, I turn it off, and then I put it back on the string, yeah. and it goes off again.
0: You can't, you don't just pull your knockout?
1: Yeah, but when I put it back on the string, it's going to go off again. Oh yeah, so mine
0: kept doing it that too. On the string, yeah. oh and man, turned it off. Yeah. See, I I had one morning. I just put the damn thing in my pocket and used a different arrow.
1: But But, yeah, they're they're all. (laughs) I mean,
0: it's a shame we shouldn't have to do that. You know, we're spending all this money on quality gear. Right.
4: Well, I sighted my bow and with the Knox, so. Switching to a regular knock that wasn't lighted, I was worried about, like, string pinch and, like, how well, much hey, is it going to affect my arrow float. Yeah, and your pin. Like that.
0: I mean, they, they, if I'm not mistaken, they weigh about 12 to 14 grams. 25. Not 25. 25. Okay. Five grams. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, my my bow setup uh, for last year was the Obsession uh, Nitro Ghost. Uh, absolutely love Obsession bows. I lo- really, really like the draw, and it's smooth and um, – I've just, you know, been happy with them. Um, I got, I switched up. I've always been such a hardcore five-pin guy. I had a spot hog hunter forever, and it is a bulletproof sight. I mean, you can literally beat the crap out of this thing, and it does not move um but i did i did an elk hunt this year and um i wanted you to get a slider
1: this year you killed a monster elk yeah, did. This year. thank, thank yeah. you thank you
0: <laughs> now um i just wanted to be covered man i wanted to make sure if i if i had an elk at 80 yards that i could send an arrow uh you know with with accuracy so i did the uh is it the fast eddy with the uh the slider on there mm-hmm. yeah and uh love the site. It was phenomenal um got everything dialed in got my sight tape on there was real happy Uh, Got a QAD, uh, I think just the HDX drop away. Arrow setup, um, I think I'm running the Black Eagle Deep Impacts. I've run them for Mm -hmm. a long, long time, probably seven or eight years. And I I, I just kept that motto, if if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, When I switched arrows, I was constantly getting good pass-throughs. So, And I've, I've shot QAD Exodus heads for a very long time. But um, after talking to Rendell, I, I had switched uh, late season to the Mega Meat. I just – I seen the holes that they put in deer, and I was like, all right, well, yeah. about time to try them out. And they flew great, so whatever. Uh, did not get to kill anything with them, unfortunately. Me neither. But, <laughs> 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 but uh, other than that, I, I did a lot of different tuning with my arrow this year. I did the Q2 – is it q 2 eyes? Yes. The, yep. the Fletchins? Yeah. Good God, they're heavy. They are literally, I think, about seven grains a piece. I did weigh my arrow after compared to last year. I think I was like four ninety. This year I was pushing five fifteen, five twenty, and I didn't do it intentionally. But I got a custom arrow wrap, you know, with our logo on it. Yeah. And um, put those new fletchings on, and the wrap was heavy, and the fletchings were heavy.
4: And yeah, if you get those double dog protective wraps, it makes it even heavier. Yeah. On
0: here. Yeah. Arrow wrap. But they, they were great. I'm glad I had a heavy setup for the elk because I, I put a frontal shot on them, and uh, it, it paid off. But um, what else? Stabilizers. I run an 8-inch uh, B stinger, nothing fancy. And I switched up to a tight spot quiver. Mm-hmm. I really like the tight spot quiver. Uh, I was always really – I tried to be cheap, man. I never really – I mean, yeah. whatever. A quiver is a quiver. Yeah. But when I think when you do a western hunt, you really – you know, you want to have that quiver on the bow. You're not popping it off. So I wanted something, something tight to it. Um But yeah, I don't. Think, I don't think I left nothing out. Um, release. My release. My I shoot a Carter just because, and I've shot. I have two of them. I love it. I'll probably never change it. Um, it's a three finger. I've shot a four finger, <laughs> and um. I don't know. For me, the three-finger is just perfect, and it's got the hole in there, which I really like because I feel like it's a better grip for my hand. I can grip it really well, and it tucks right away. and uh, It's crisp, man. There's nothing like you – I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've shot a lot of releases. The Carters are amazing.
1: Yeah, they, they the tolerances and repeatability of those rests are very,
0: very good company, too. I actually got one mailed to me. I bought online used from a buddy. You all laugh at this. I got it out of the mailbox. And I was being lazy that day, pulled on the opposite side of the road, you know, rolled my window down, grabbed my release. There's a car coming in my lane. I dropped my release, and I run it over with the truck. Oh, I didn't man. even get it out of the packaging, <laughs> and I crushed the release. Oh, oh man. This is, yeah, so I looked at it. It's a little bent. The lumen's a little bent, but I crushed the barrel off of it, and I called Carter, sent them the release, and a week later they had it back, and they fixed it, rebuilt everything for about $20. Oh, that's sweet. So sweet. That's, nice. that's good. No, yeah. I'm not affiliated with Carter. They're just an awesome yeah. company. Uh, a lot of tournament archers use them. So oh, yeah. If you're looking to upgrade your release, look into them. Yeah, and uh, my total, yeah, I got into my early. It's like 5'10", yeah. but I'm going to lower it this year. I want to get some more speed.
1: I, I think I think so, man. I mean, yeah. we've seen the pendulum. It's starting to come back. You know, it we, we went on a big, big rabbit hole in this heavy arrow stuff. But we're starting to see it swing back to where it needs to be. We're whitetail hunters, man. Right. Mean, we're not shooting hippopotamuses in, in Africa. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> Although I've shot you a few might. of them. Yeah. I was yeah. Say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. But um it it uh we're, we're hunting whitetail, man. Those we, things jump. They're fast. Right. Uh, we're in timber where you've got limbs to shoot over and shoot under. You know, just just exactly what you said in your mobile where you can't you can't uh, cut shooting lanes and you have holes you've gotta pick and trajectory is a huge part of that. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm glad to see you know, you got guys coming back from, from that really that four thirty to, to five hundred range. Mm-hmm. It just seems like that's yeah. a really killing killing error for Whitetail.
3: It almost seems like everybody like wants what they don't have. Like back in the day, you couldn't shoot a light arrow. All you had was big thick aluminum right. things. And everybody wanted a light arrow. Yeah. And then the carbon came out and then everything got light, light, light. And then somewhere like two thousand and eighteen, like Everybody started wanting heavy stuff again. Then, like, freaking aluminum arrows came back a little bit. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I did. Like, Easton started making aluminum, like, the old style arrow. I think it was a lot for the traditional community. But, and then we started the heavy stuff, and now it's going back again. Thanks All a arrows. lot, Ranch Ferry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
4: the ferry dust.
3: <laughs> no comment. Um, you want to get back on the topic of what we're doing for this season or yeah. right now? Because yeah. we kind of stopped there. Yeah. We got on the bow topic after me and Joe mentioned bows. Yep.
1: Yeah
4: absolutely nothing because i'm at trade shows for three months (laughs) (laughs) can't scout well i'm trying i am get to scout some other states i'm trying to fit it in when i can yeah like going well if i can walk i can do a little bit with johnny stewart here in pa but i'm probably not hunting pa yeah i mean you'll learn something though walking around with johnny i'm diving more i've been talking to joe about like i'm looking more into knowledge different areas that i'm not good at like rut hunting really diving down that bobby worthington rabbit hole and trying to change up things that you know i haven't done in the past to try to maximize my effort and efficient like get more efficient at the season and we talked about in another podcast like uh you know now that you can hunt a bunch it's way different than when you only hunt three days a week Mm -hmm. so changing everything about that and learning from that some man it's like a total retool of what i'm doing so that's pretty interesting.
1: And, 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 and that's adapting, right? Yeah. I mean, that's changing, and, and that's, that's, that's the progression of a deer hunter. Yeah. You know, adapting, changing, overcoming obstacles, new states, uh, new scenarios. And if you, if you get so fixated on this one way of doing things, you, you know, the, the whitetail, the only thing that's consistent is the inconsistency of them. Yep. yeah and, and being able to adapt and keeping an open mind and checking that ego and picking up knowledge from other people um you know as soon as you get to that point where we're getting off topic is as, as soon as you get to that point where you know it all oh yeah that's oh, yeah. when you're going to have a season you, you. you will remember better. yes sir yes. yeah yes sir but yeah as far as doing stuff right now i'm a lot of trade shows got some seminars coming up uh but as far as my plan, when March rolls around, um, would be doing some camera test. I like to tinker and test stuff, mm-hmm. and, and we talked. We got off on the bow tangent, but we'll be doing some stuff with some trail cameras, testing those out. Uh, a guy named Steve Pinkston's got a new battery pack mm-hmm. that supposedly yeah. you can get twice as much time. I really want to put that out and and see how that does because I've got some areas that you know you can have mineral and stuff like that on, and I want to just see how they do and with with the text cams. So I'll be doing some testing on that. Obviously always messing with the broadheads. As far as there are some new areas that I want to get into, some different parts of the country. Don't say it, <laughs> it. He did this the other day. Uh-huh. Atlantic Ocean. Um, yeah, he did. Somewhere this. in the Florida. Ocean. Yeah, Florida. That's right. Antarctica. Here, there's a, there's a Tampa penguin, Bay. There's a penguin, a penguin deer in Florida. Uh-huh. So, so that doesn't matter where it is. If, if there's a new area you want to go hunt, now's the time to you kill that deer now, in my opinion. No. All right. You kill no. that deer now. And, and so I'll be working on this new area quite a bit. And then my old areas, I, I will go in, uh, make sure it, because I'm a, I'm a hardcore rut, hardcore. I'm I'm a rut funnel hunter now. That, that's mm. I really have have balled in hook line and sinker on that particular tactic during the rut. So those funnels that I have that I know are really good, I will just go in and make sure the lanes are right. I will already have stands hung in there. I'll go ahead and have mock scrapes in there. All that will be set, done, dusted, cameras in there, turned on, ready to go. So that'll be, my rut will be set. And then, and then I've got some stuff at home. You know, we've got some the river bottoms I hunt in South Carolina. There are no real funnels, but there's some feed trees. There's mm-hmm. some sawtooths that drop early. There's muscadines. And I will actually go in, I'm, I'm going to do this for the first time ever, and start dropping a few trees here and there to try and push these deer you know, a little bit tighter, because I don't always like to hunt on the X, like on the feed. Uh, you know, you've got two X's. You've got where he beds, which a lot of times is unknown, and you've got the X of the food, right? Where where he's gonna end up. And you hunt on the X, you maybe one chance. If mm-hmm. you hunt on the way to the X, you might can get multiple plays in there on the food. Mm-hmm. So uh, on the way to the X, I'm gonna try to set up some funnels to, to quote unquote corral them down or get them to come through there because it's so open where we hunt right you know they can come from anywhere and they can bed anywhere and it's big river bottom swamp and it's flat as a pancake so that's a, a new tactic that i'll be trying so that that's kind of my my progression from now until you know july
0: I'm going to be working on manipulating some, uh, private land, Mm. uh, you know, trying to funnel some deer, like you had said down in there, uh, in, in certain areas. So I can even better, you know, figure where they're going to come from and where they're going to come through and kind of block them off. I think sometimes, uh, you know, that's can be the easiest way to approach hunting. If, if you got a piece of private that you can manipulate. And then I really want to focus on killing something good out of state. Uh, I've, I've talked about it over and over again and i really really want to make it happen this year so i think i love shed hunting uh i want to spend at least you know three days in a couple areas that i've been looking uh on online at and um try to figure those places out
4: you do any shed hunting randall i do not at all don't like it (laughs) i don't know why i I would i'd rather just scout yeah if I find them, I find them.
0: Yeah. How about you, Joe? You're a shed hunter? I,
1: we have at home, so I would have to travel to shed hunt. The, yeah. the, the mice and squirrels at home, they eat them by the time they hit the ground. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. I mean, you find a few every now and again, but it, it is it is so different.
0: Mm-hmm. I hear all noise real bad. Is that the case? I don't know. So I was talking to uh, one of the guys. Uh, I was talking to a recent guy we had on our podcast about that, and uh, he said, the Illinois got awful for it. I guess porcupines and mm-hmm. uh, them, them big uh, fox squirrels. Yeah. Well, I always got
4: them. those giant squirrels. Yeah. I find I a would, lot of sheds gnawed up. I wouldn't Boy, think
0: it'd be any worse than anywhere else,
3: though, yeah. in the Midwest. No. I
4: yeah. mean, if I find a big shed of suds, it's cool, but I don't, yeah, you I, like, I don't go out of my way for it. I feel like I'm more efficient scouting for where I'm going to be hunting at in October versus walking a cornfield for three days trying to find a shed out there. Right. So I'm just trying to be more efficient with my time at I got you. what my major goal is. Are
0: you, you killing, you know, this fall's deer right now? Do you feel like that's happened for you?
4: I mean, I believe in post – my major success comes from postseason scouting. Yeah. This past year was my first year I didn't really postseason scout, and I relied all on in-season scouting. And I will say that, man, I just – I wasn't really a big fan. It yeah. was kind of a hot trash –
0: <laughs> I know we, going we on. had talked about that. You're like, uh, you know, in season scouting. I think that's, what's going well, to feel this like year and-
4: if you do all in season scouting, it's almost like you got to be way too aggressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm aggressive, but you got to be extra aggressive because yeah. you don't yeah. know where the bed is. Right. And that is a huge problem mm-hmm. where I feel like when I post season scout, I'm finding and identifying the bedding areas and then I'm not disturbing anything. I can go back set up, you know, mock scrapes like you were talking about, putting the cameras in during the summer, slip right out. One day in, never go back. And then I got the intel then so I can slide in and check the perimeter. Okay, well this rub line opened up. I know there's a buck in there. Make the plan, then I can set up or I get a picture. Okay, that buck's using that bedding area on this wind now. Yeah. And then I know he's in there instead of every day i'm just gonna go (laughs) dive in the woods somewhere and guess be like oh i think the bedding's over there which sometimes you hit on it so a lot of times you don't or there's no sign there at all then it's like you did all this work i went two miles in there and found nothing to hunt at all and then you're just like well i'm gone and you just wasted a day of hunting so i feel like that way it's not very efficient i think if i shot something in illinois or iowa and I just want to go. I think that's where it comes in. You to fly right out. And if you transition that, I don't think you're going to have the time, effort, and scouting that you need to stack early season bucks. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think you should concentrate on your home state or maybe one other state like September. Like Iowa opens October 1st, so I can concentrate on that. But maybe I'll, you know, like Wisconsin yeah, or Nebraska, Nebraska or Kentucky. Yeah. I can focus on one other state kind of to hunt early. But like Joe was saying, the rough funnel thing, yeah. when's the most deer activity? It's always last week, October through November. I feel like that's when you're stacking the deck. Right. And when you roll in to out-of-state hunts in that time period, your your odds go way up yeah. just to randomly encounter a buck on hot sun. Absolutely. But early season, probably not happening. Yeah. So, doesn't really
0: apply to early season yeah. at all because you're, all those, a lot of the sign you're seeing is kind of withered away from early. Yeah, early. and if you hunt
4: September states, there is no sign. Nah. you got to really pay yeah. attention to, like, scrapes aren't even open yet. You're just looking at the little licking branches broke off. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or you foods, saw when Yeah, We've yeah. we scouted feed, this summer. Feed, yeah, and you got to do a lot more observation since I learned that. I wasn't observing enough. I was, yeah. instead of spending three days glassing a field, I man, I was just going right in there. Mm -hmm. Just tearing it up and then been like, all right, I got to go to another one. I'm just burning up so many places. And then I can't go back because I already, man, that buck was like, whoa, oh, here's this guy, like, you know, I mean, Bobby Worthington talks about that a lot. the buck's only gonna daylight maybe a couple times before the rut and you're going in there and you're slapping them on the ass you know he won't even hunt till (laughs) the end
1: of october with 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 it being five to ten degrees cooler than it normally is he doesn't even start hunting until then yeah that's an that's an old woodsman brother that knows his stuff inside and out
0: man i need to need to take that yeah
4: so you got more odds of that buck moving in a daylight that time of year i mean you can still do the bedding hunting but i think it's got to be really concentrated and less because sometimes more is not better. Like it's too much to take on, and then take off to go do your stacking of bucks during the rut. Yeah,
3: have more calculated yeah, spots instead of just throwing darts at a yeah. big wall. You know. Yeah. For like sure. Joe, you talked about. We talked about Kentucky. Yep. While we were working out this morning, and you were, you did something that nobody would do. You just went down there a couple of days beforehand, and you sat there in glass fields. And if you didn't like what you saw,
1: left, went home. Yeah, that could be family time. Yeah. Home. yeah, yeah, absolutely right.
4: Yeah, most guys would stay and hunt no matter what. Like yeah, that's I, what I would have done. Yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah. instead of going, going home. Glass bean
1: fields for three days that I had access to and observation. One hundred percent, I saw twenty-five bucks during that time, and not one mature deer that I would want to sh- that I would personally want to shoot. And I went home. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. My yeah. It's tough. Was- Scouting too many. Public lands in the off season. I scouted starting in February, Mm -hmm. and second year in public lands. so it was just like, okay, let's find them, and uh, scouted too many, and was just I bumped around too much, and simplify your options and narrow your focus. And so I feel like in the season, especially closer to the rut, we started seeing certain public lands. It was like, okay, this is Purdue. This public land is producing some bucks, so. We just kind of put that on our list and, and we're just gonna kind of narrow it down this year and just pick maybe one or two areas that we say, okay, let's just focus on this and uh, and go from there. This year scouting for me is probably not gonna start till, I want to I wanna do it now, but with everything going on, it's probably not gonna start till about April. So right now it's just collecting what I need to collect out of the woods and then get ready and start scouting in April mm-hmm. and go from there and narrow it down
4: yeah and i'm experienced and i feel like i made the same mistake you do yeah like i I felt like
2: what you're saying that's what i was doing and it messed me up
4: and then sometimes it just takes listening to somebody like (laughs) again back to bobby worthington (laughs) persistence i gave up on deer way too quick one sit gone and then i'm all over like hundreds of miles away the next day and i'm over here and there like instead of locking in and hunting that buck down and bouncing around like i just i don't know it's like i lost the confidence to, you know what i mean i just yeah. got way too yeah jumping all over and then you got a thousand spots in your mind you're worried about winds yeah. and all this stuff going so second on second guess and everything you're yeah doing. and then especially after you have a bad season well not really a bad season but i didn't kill anything the season before so that's on you and then you man you just get down this rabbit hole of man just chasing your tail Instead of keeping that confidence up, you start second-guessing everything you're doing. And that's a bad place to be. The
2: first part of the season, I jumped everywhere. And uh, it just wasn't working. And I actually was jumping so much, I wasn't even seeing deer. Like, that's where it was getting bad. And it was like my twenty third, 22nd hunt, 23rd hunt in. And it's the one buck that I saw last light all day sit. And that's the buck I killed. And it was after hunting that same property four times in a row that's the only time i hunted sometimes the same I property happens. multiple times
0: yeah. it's, it's sometimes it's like that man it's yeah just, you just got to keep going i mean and that's where
2: i said you know what i should have just been hunting this same property you know consistently you, yeah wasn't you, if you know deer. there's a deer there you yeah. want to kill well, we had a bunch don't waste of deer your time on, there on if camera. there's nothing there you 100%. Know.
4: leave yes. yeah yeah
2: yeah we had a bunch of good deer on camera it's just i was going i was go there and it wouldn't see anything so i'd go somewhere else yeah and the next day a buck would show up and go man i should have been there but i was somewhere else hunting and so it's just figuring out if, instead of jumping five, six places, pick maybe one or two.
1: Yeah. Just focus yeah. on it. Limit your options and narrow your focus. Yep. You know?
0: All part of learning. Mm-hmm. You'll never stop, man. I don't
3: think any anyone. Uh, anyone oh, yeah, we all, all suck at it sometimes, yeah, man. Dude, oh it, yeah, i, I mean, sucks man, so bad.
4: If guys could only see me in the woods, myself, <laughs> they, they would never listen to me on a podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, "What in the hell is this guy doing out here?" Yeah, and just like he said, Indiana, man. I found the deer the first day I was there, and guess what? I pulled off of them to go find deer i didn't even know if they were there or not i was climbing two hour drainages and up saddles and all over man instead of just sitting in that one area where i found those deer the first day and then i went back the last day and i had a really man super heavy mass buck come through just didn't work out for me but man if i would have had a couple more days in there if i would have sat there the whole time right man i probably would have smoked a goodner but yeah no Oh man, I'm just too smart for my own good. Well, too stupid for my own good sometimes.
2: <laughs> At 1500, I started to think the deer were wearing Osseo because I couldn't find
4: them either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was uh, like, man. I love that Osseo clothing. <laughs> that's a good stuff. Yes. <laughs>
1: I think that's something we all have in common the old Osseo. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Shameless plugs. Uh, that's funny.
0: I had a guy on the way out, and he's like, I went and shook his hand, like a yeah. guy that I knew, and he's like, man how's your hand so warm? I'm like, Osceo baby. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, that's a good salesman <laughs> right there.
3: That's good stuff. <laughs> I don't want,
4: I do want, I want, I want to walk right me this <laughs> year. I ran the a lot of stuff. <laughs> he wants to go. Oh, oh God. Right. Right? I was going to say yeah. a zinger right there. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, he's, <laughs> he's getting <wise> in his little <laughs> <old Yeah>. air. <laughs> I
3: thought <laughs> <Yes>. about it. <sighs> Oh, that's oh, funny. Man. I think it's funny that, like, uh, we're all sitting here, like, worried about not shooting a deer or this, and, like, those those old guys, like, Dan and Andre oh, yeah. and others, they could care less. Yeah, that's wild. Care less. Uh, it, you yeah. know, uh, we had dinner with um, Adam Hayes. Like, I don't... He doesn't care if he kills a 150 again in his life, no, you know? Never. Yeah, he probably wouldn't even get his bow off no. out of the case to go mess around yeah. with it, you know? Yeah. So... I don't know. Maybe that just comes with old older age. You get comfortable in your own skin and being okay with yeah. what you want. You know.
0: I think not all those people, I think Joe included, it's like could care less what somebody thinks. Well, Joe kills like six a year, so <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, we Kind of, yeah. That's kind of. Yeah. yeah.
4: He's killing like twenty bucks, and I'm like, really, dude. <laughs> He's depressing one? all kinds of yeah. 16-year-olds. can I get a, yeah, yeah, I'm <laughs> to, I got a 16-year-old cheerleader? I'm like, man, got, like, nobody's business. like, can you drop me a pen, bro? Come on. Gosh. Oh, man. oh, oh yeah.
0: <laughs> it's been fun, man. Yep. I've oh, only been on here. We can wrap it up. Yeah, I mean, if you want to keep going. I, I always like closing it out. I think it's a great thing to close it out with. I've always learned a lot more from failures than successes. Why don't yeah. we all share, you know, one failure we've had, like maybe this season or something that really sticks out that's kind of helped you grow as a bow hunter. Um, maybe something that shines, you know, that might uh, might be relevant to some of the listeners.
3: Daggone, I got to go first? Yeah. I got, this is the whole podcast tomorrow morning with Exodus is about failure, so I'm mm. think about it. Um, this season, Uh i really want to get better at being more patient with the deer i shoot like i have i've killed so many deer between 100 inches and 130 inches and i've killed some bigger than that too but i don't know i think I'm, i think i think i think i'm at the point in life where i'm okay with not shooting another one of those you know so i mean i killed i've killed whatever six deer the last no more than that the last couple of years and i don't know I've gotten gotten good at killing those ones. I, I want to. I think next year I want to really step it up. Um, that's,
1: that's your goal, right?
3: And who knows? I may next year. I may not. But <laughs> that that right now, yeah, 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 yeah. But that, I think that's something that I kind of and going to Kansas helped me there because it kind of like opened my eyes. Like I let some deer walk that I you know usually wouldn't because I was seeing other. Th- I'm like, okay, I can do this. It's okay. So um, that's something that I, I learned this year was just a little more patience in my deer hunting arsenal and also i i am horrible about talking talking about being patient about not going and setting whenever you shouldn't be there or just going because you want to go hunting instead of maybe instead of the, those days you want to go sitting in a tree maybe yeah. go scouting or go do an observation set so just because you got a don't have a bow in your hand you're in a stand doesn't necessarily mean you're not doing something productive and getting better better at that. I mean, Andy is good at that, too. Andy Mm -hmm. May, you know. Really good. um, Doing a lot of scouting. So, um, in season from afar, not necessarily just because, you know, not necessarily with the bow and a tree stand on my back. But I don't know if I'd answered any questions. But that's the thing I thought about this year that I wish I'd have done better at.
1: Yeah, I um, had a 10-point in in South Carolina that whipped my butt. um, Whipped my butt. And I found myself relying too much on cameras. Mm-hmm. And that, that's something that I, I haven't done in the past. But I was so frustrated with him, I tried to over flood the area with cameras. And it was too many cameras. Whereas if I just stayed back and hunted the way I should have hunted, you, you know, with, with with the little bit of funnels we had. For, for example, uh, if I had been persistent, I have a funnel. I have a fenced-in. This is a big property that I have permission to hunt on. I have a fenced-in duck pond, so that the hogs. We have terrible hogs down there. Mm. And what that what that fence does is those deer have to go around one end of it. Mm-hmm. And I had a camera right there, and I was not. I was getting a few does pictures and this, but I had seen that buck as a four-year-old go through there in daylight, in the end of November, into December. And if I, and I had a bulletproof stand I would actually walk in the duck pond, climb the fence because it's only a four foot high fence just so the hogs can't get in there a deer could jump in um, but they, they don't want to because it's on a big dike and I climbed the fence right up into my tree. And if I'd sat there for every morning that I had the right wind I'd have killed that buck because I got three daylight pictures of him and guess what there was an 8:30 a.m picture of him walking right by that stand so that you know that that's the lesson i learned again well it's not a lesson i learned i've known that lesson i've known it forever not to rely on the cameras right to to hunt where you're supposed to hunt and stay after it and stay persistent and i I backed off of that a bit and was so reliant on the cameras and that was a a mistake and i failed on that deer i didn't get him.
0: A, i think we all fall guilty of, of relying on cameras you know at some point i mean if, if you're not you're not real i mean I think it's
3: you're probably it's, not running cameras yeah
0: you, yeah exactly right? i mean i think it's just a natural thing that we, we all go through um i can relate to that too I, I think i mean we
1: had dinner with cody the other night and you know he was talking about um you know the the dopamine those cameras yeah provide you and i think that's very true man it is i mean i i know i've got a bunch of them out there and i would get up and for two hours sometimes in the morning i'd get up at three o'clock before i had to go to work and have two cups of coffee and you know look at look at trail camera pictures every day and that was i couldn't wait deer
3: hunter you know, social media yeah. yep yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: All, right. all the time
4: how about you randall oh man i mean i don't even know if I can name it. All those <laughs> is good god I can't say it was a failure because I learned more this year than I ever have. And I know for me, like, my major takeaways were, man, I just learned a lot about myself. Um, I'm, I hunted more than I ever have pretty much ever. And I felt like hunting just wasn't fun anymore. I put way too much pressure on myself. Bad. Bad almost like man i was just like what are you doing like you know what i mean i was almost Mm -hmm. like i was talking negative to myself like you you suck you do that a lot (laughs) like (laughs) like, what are you doing i'd get in a tree and i just look around (laughs) and be like what are you doing man like why are you here bro (laughs) and then it's like got the ehd and man that tore me up i just lost like a lot of motivation like things just started spiraling, you know getting Mm -hmm. in your head and So I made that mistake, like we talked about, bouncing around too much. I think I got too stubborn, too. Like, I should have bailed out of my area. I felt like, man, if there's a buck, I'm going to find it. If anybody can find it, Rendell Air Canyon, I'm going to dig my heels in (laughs) and go through all these dead deer areas and try to find a buck, which I did end up finding, you know, one during the rut, and then I found another one late season. But, I mean, that was it. I don't know. I just made tons of errors, mostly a lot of man-made errors in my own head i guess the mental my mental game was not good at all so just pressure
0: working on yourself
4: yeah working on myself trying to modify things but i learned a ton so i don't know it's like whatever it's like joe said just because you didn't kill anything doesn't mean anything you got to learn not to give a damn like 100 percent. yeah i just care too much about things when i shouldn't just growing you know getting older and i still i still could have killed deer just weren't up to my own expectations Mm -hmm. so it's not a complete waste i still you know had to i still got to hunt a ton and be out there i don't know should just be grateful you know for what i could do and not get hung up on just killing deer so much
0: just let the good times roll yeah exactly (laughs) make hunting
4: fun again so that's like i just want to have fun man this whole year is just like just go just have fun yeah this year for me
2: um I think my mistake was just getting away from myself the previous year, which was my first year really bow hunting. But the first year it was consistency in the same areas, learning those deer, learning their movements, and just staying in there. And this year I bounced around. I think that was my mistake. Um, I'm excited about this next season because I've got the places down and I'm just going to focus on them and trying to learn what's there and see what comes through and um, learn that terrain and uh, go with it. And so uh, that's what I'm excited about. Um, this next year but I think that was my failure this year was just and it was made for a long season when you don't see deer you don't see deer you don't see deer at all none it does nothing and then you see only a couple here and there type thing and so you know lord bless and I was able to get a buck this year I wasn't expecting it I already had all my camera gear was already put away at the time and I just had my phone and that's the only reason he even got it on camera was because of that but it was that last minute I mean I just was not expecting it and so um, but that's what I learned this year was just narrow things down, have fun, and be consistent in what you are doing. Be consistent at it. So that's what I, pretty much what I learned this year.
0: Absolutely, man. I think it's really cool having somebody like you, you know, would just start in bow hunting oh, yeah. and getting your opinion because I think uh, we all can learn something from you, to be honest with you. I mean, it, it, in this room, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of – I feel like we've all we've all been doing this for so long, we've kind of – forget sometimes in the beginning of of how things are and how much different of a time it is now yeah. versus maybe when we were younger and just starting bow hunting yeah. also the more you know about it, the more complicated you make it for yourself sometimes oh yeah too. i mean i know when i was a younger guy man i ran into a ton of great deer and now i'm like i have way more knowledge <laughs> I have way more connections, and I have way less encounters. (laughs) (laughs) the golden ticket right there. (laughs) there. (laughs)
4: Because, man, I started listening to podcasts and all this crap, and I'm trying to do everything everybody else is doing. Yep. I think I'm a way worse hunter than I was before. (laughs) Yep. Like, holy crap. I'm thinking about 80 (laughs) things when I try to set up. Man, I'm talking about like what the thermals are doing off a of hippopotamus's butthole, a hundred miles away, bro. Like, come on, like. Before, I would just go and be like, there's a deer, there's a tree. Yep, yep. yep. All right, I'm Ooh, getting yes. in it. This looks like a good yeah, spot. Yeah, now I'm like, what's the calculational of milkweed at 4 o'clock when the sun lights at this angle? Like, man, oh, that's way that's too annoying. technical, oh, man. Like. It made me not a good hunter at all. Just oh, need to be more freestyle, go with the instincts, and not overthinking all this crap. <laughs>
0: just have fun and hunt the wind. Exactly. Right? That's as, that's what I did when I, I really first started killing ones Was just, what's oh. the wind doing, and where where do I want to try to set up? Rindle exactly. is a
3: shorts machine, man. <laughs> YouTube shorts machine. Really? You
2: <laughs> 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 That's not where oh, I would
4: be. Any time in my life. <laughs> oh man! Lie by your brain. Yeah, I was just like man.
0: That's I love stuff. it. I think. I think for me, uh, I-, I tried to be way m- too mobile this year. Um, I knew in my head, I found a pinch uh, right along a cattle fence, and if my ass would have just hung out and put a good set in a pine tree or a cedar and hunted it when the wind was right, I'd have killed. I had. 100 multiple
1: it's second grade arithmetic that's right
0: and with that that exact spot is where i'm talking about manipulating these deer i am gonna make a even tighter funnel in a pinch and i got my tree that's ideal but i was just trying to make it happen all over the place and it's like you know these deer are ping-ponging back and forth and it's like where's the tightest spot that you can narrow them down especially if you're hunting the rut early season's a little bit different but you know uh i just feel like when's the time is your highest probability time to kill a good deer the rut unfortunately <laughs> yeah, you know it's the truth yeah. though
3: yeah
4: yeah but, um, i mean
3: it depends what you want to though but like uh, you're, you guys are all talking about the rut and you know putting your time in in the rut during the rut and like you talk to dan he has no interest in doing that he loves uh, right, being mobile jumping around low, early season he loves that's goes. what he wants he could care I mean, less about stuff sitting too. in a tree for you know 12 hours during the rut like so it's like I don't know. And here if you don't, we are, if you don't like doing that. Like, yeah. is it really? You know, if you don't enjoy doing that, are you? Is it? A, should you do that just to kill a big buck? Like I don't know. You know, it's I, kind mean, of big, I mean,
4: if you want to kill a big buck, yeah. I mean, you got to do things yeah. you don't want to do. It's weird. Sacrifice. It's a weird, weird things right? to think. Yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, though. it's not going to happen for you. But then you if get like you during, during the, end of the
3: season, and you hate hunting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's weird. It's it's hard. It's a hard thing to
4: juggle in your head. But I feel like you should be a good enough hunter to be fishing at all phases yeah. of the game and not i shouldn't be trying to do early season tactics in the rut right and, yeah. or late season tactics early season i should be focused on being the best hunter i can be throughout yeah. all phases of the season and if rut Which man i jump that? around a bunch and it's like yeah. man you just see the daylight we're all right well i should be sitting a lot longer and not be jumping all over yeah and if you want to kill that deer man you're just gonna to have to buckle down and just sit there yep yeah,
3: Absolutely.
2: You just gave me a thought in just saying that. Um as a new hunter coming in bow hunting, the first couple sits, I noticed and, and someone made a comment and I real they the statement they said is you can't hunt like a gun hunter. You've got to change your mindset just a little bit when you're bow hunting. Don't no, hunt, don't, don't hunt like a, lot. a, a yeah. lot, right. Well, I didn't understand at the time. I just thought, okay, well, I've been gun hunting before, so that's how Well, you just made the comment of hunting hunting Like you're in the rut in early season or the opposite and that just gave me that thought of something that i need to pick up on as a new hunter is learning what are those phases what are those tactics and then learning where to place those Mm -hmm. and so that's something now you just gave me to focus on for this next year so
4: that's what it's going to be yeah when i muzzle litter hunt I can shoot like 300 yards <laughs> i'm set up 15 yards away <laughs> like a <bullet> and i'm <laughs> yeah. like what are you doing dude it's, yeah it happens i mean yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. you just gotta get in there and just do it man i mean and if you only want to be a early season hunter man just hunt early season and stay home the rest of the time because yeah you're just wasting your time yeah the negative negative yeah. thirties where i don't want to Kentucky sucks. In Negative season. 30s are just, amazing. What are you talking I about? Just, just, if you have the Ozio no, like, gear, season. Oh, I would, season would love
0: two. to kill a velvet buck. I just seem it's, to it's not find the caliber and, uh, of buck well, I Joe, want. Well, Joe knows. It's it rough. Yeah.
4: Bad to food. It is. food to bed.
0: Maybe I'll get lucky one year and find a giant and kill him because I'm all for it, but it's just tough. I mean, Randall and you and I were out there. I mean, we, we scouted all over the place. Did we find? I
4: probably got cancer. Yeah, I know. he was so worried about <laughs> permethrin. it. Permethrin.
0: So worried about oh. permethrin. I didn't know he was a nerd like that. But Oh, I don't know. I don't Ed like It beats chemicals. the option of getting covered in chiggers. I'd rather take that. Right, yeah. poor me kerosene Josh keras, were you know. about that. I mean.
4: Yeah. yeah, I don't want permethrin on me, but a poor kerosene on me to get rid of chiggers. Break your urine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> a, <laughs> play with hippopotamus. Yeah. I'm right. a weird I'm a weird feller, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it's... <laughs>
3: I concur. <laughs> oh I mean, man!
4: I mean, at all? Yeah, sure. man.
3: Want to
0: wrap it up? Yeah, you want to close us out? Yeah, check out the
3: description of the podcast. We'll link everybody's stuff down there. And uh, thanks for hiring us all to come here and mess, oh, mess around. Yeah, yeah, man. Thanks, thanks Jeff. <laughs> Thank That's <you>. awesome.
1: <laughs> thanks for have, having me on your podcast. Yeah.
3: R- Thank really, you. Really anytime. It's been a guys. blast, man. Really Appreciate anytime, y'all. Times. Yeah.
4: So, thanks.
1: All
3: right, everybody. Talk to you later. See. You. Bye.
4: Deuces.